Toddnet Rocks episode 879 with guest Kate Gregory. Recorded live Wednesday, May 29th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at GesturePAK.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and we're still in Toronto. Hey, dude, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is the last day of Dev Teach, and we're having a good time here in Mississauga. It's raining out, although the sun is shining now. It was raining the last show we recorded. It's also not the last day. There's another day tomorrow. You're just leaving. My last day. Yeah. So that's what's important, actually. Tonight is the attendee party, and we're recording a panel discussion as well, which will be published shortly after this show goes out. So anyway, it's uh, Kate Gregory's here. We'll be talking to her in a minute. But first, better know framework, because you better. Dude, what do you got? Well, I thought it was time that we actually, you know, because Kate's like a, you know, plumbing system-y kind of person, and I wanted to go back into the actual framework and find something I haven't talked about yet on Better Know Framework. Dude, framework? Real framework? We're going to talk about real frame. I am very excited. I sit here in awe. You, sir, are a wise ass. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't realize it, we get a little sillier when we're actually in person. We're used to just hearing each other over the phone, but now that we can sit side by side... Yeah, expect a little wise ass. Okay. So anyway, memory mapped files. When was the last time, oh. Kate, you used memory mapped files? I'm using named pipes in this project similar. of mine. So it's similar in the same framework, but it's been a while since I've done a memory map. So file. let me tell you what memory map files are. If you go to tinyurl.com slash files. A memory mapped file maps the contents of a file to an application's logical address space. Memory map files enable programmers to work with extremely large files because memory can be managed concurrently, and they allow complete random access to a file without the need for seeking. Memory mapped files can also be shared across multiple processes. And this is where the named pipe similarity exactly. comes in, because you can actually share memory across processes with memory map files. The create from file methods create a memory mapped file from a specified file path or a file stream of an existing file on disk. Changes are automatically propagated to disk when the file is unmapped. The create new methods create a memory mapped file that is not mapped to an existing file on disk and are suitable for creating shared memory for inter-process communication. Very cool. And it's all associated with a name. You give it a name, you create one with a name in one process, you access it by name in another process, and you can both rock and roll in that same memory space. Does this work in Win8? Because I got to think the process limiting would be a problem. Oh, are, do you ta- are you talking about a Windows Store app? I don't know. I doubt it. When people ask how can a Windows 8 Store app communicate with a desktop app, uh, memory map files were one of the things that were tossed around as, as being a possibility and were then shot down. Yeah, yeah, shot down. All the easy ways you can think of to do that don't work. Sockets is pretty much what we're left with proprietary protocols yeah exactly but you know 
what I want as when the IT hat goes on and I'm trying to make my software more reliable and so forth is I want you to have to produce a manifest of all the ways that your process is going to communicate with other processes. And name pipes would be acceptable in that scenario if you just had to have it in a manifest so that I could see it and control it. The reason the store apps reject it is it imposes a dependency. Mm-hmm. They can't assume that that other app is installed already to right. talk to. So maybe it's safer to actually be, you know, across a socket so that it's a it's a distance. And if it can't get to the communication, it's not like it crashes. It just goes, I couldn't find him. Right. Because there's handlers built in for that. Or just have a web server out there, a server of some kind out there that's not on the same box that will provide those capabilities. Yep. But nothing is as fast or as cool as memory map files. I, you definitely, definitely. But it's there's so more to cool. life than store apps, right? Yeah. So you write true. a store app when you need it and don't when you don't. So there you go. Memory mapped files. Know them, learn them, love them. Richard Campbell, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 873, and that's the one we did with Derek Whitaker talking about what XAML developers need to know about working in HTML5. And if you remember that particular show, we digressed into WinForms for a while. A fascinating conversation. And we had a lot of fun with it, actually. And Derek C.'s comment says, hey, you know, WinForms is actually maintainable when you use the MVP, the Model View Presenter pattern. Your code behind is only used for viewing related behavior, and the presenter is used for bridging between your model and the view. Implementing the MVP pattern using WinForms is more work because of the separation, but it's worth it. It allows for unit testing of the presenter. There are a couple of different ways to create the view and presenter. I suggest making the view ignorant out of the presenter by declaring events in the view and then having your presenter implement the events. I had not thought of that. I read this and I'm like, oh man, now I want to go back. I want to go way back to like 1997 and start doing this. There's no reason I could have done this in VB5. Exactly. I was doing it in VB5. Don't go to 97, you know, go to like 85. Like (laughs) like, this pattern is... We use the model view control pattern to write small talk. Wow. Yeah. It's old school. And when we first started doing MFC, your classic MFC app has a document, which is essentially model that that has your business logic in it. And then you had your views and then you had your controller, which sat between them. Now, it wasn't as decently segregated as what we do in, say, an MVVM app today, but that same idea that this is how I calculate the number and this is how I decide whether to show you a number or a histogram or a progress bar or whatever, that has been with us always. You know, I got to come to Canada more often. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, thanks so much for your comment. We really enjoyed it. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. That's for iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises that would love to build you an app too. Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And before we go any further... I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, releasing 12 to 15 new courses every month and offering a free 10-day trial or 200 minutes. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. And with that, it's time for Kate Gregory officially 
Although I, I really love the guest sort of chiming in on the on the intro. Ah, she does a lot about that better know framework type. You picked that subject knowing she was all over it. Absolutely. And same for me with the comment. I looked at comments like Kate's gonna like this comment. Oh, it's just amazing how it all works together. So Kate Gregory is in her fourth decade of being paid to program. Her firm, Gregory Consulting Limited, is based in rural Ontario and helps clients adopt new technologies and adjust to the changing business environment. Current work makes heavy use of .NET and Visual C++ along with SharePoint and both web and client development, especially for Windows 7. And Windows 8 now too? Eh, some. And Windows 8. Not a huge demand, but some. Managing, mentoring, technical writing, and technical speaking occupy much of her time, but she still writes code every week. She is a device for converting caffeine into code. Welcome back, Kate. Good to be here, boys. And thank you for the Kate bait in the intro. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I we have talked about some of that old stuff before, but I never really dove into memory map files before. So that's good. And I think it's really profound to think about. I know why Microsoft has changed that dev model, but you're talking about a technology that we've used for decades. And in the, quote, modern development environment, it doesn't work anymore. Some things are harder now. The world is not all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, and, and makes I understand life difficult. why. It's just, there's almost like a, a sort of, you know, NUE that comes over me that says, ah, I miss the good old days when I could just crap all over your memory. You used that French word because we're in Toronto, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, one thing we were talking about before this all got started, and it relates to Windows Forms, is how, how that surprised us that, you know, Windows Forms... And Kate said this, it's now in the safe zone. Because it's no longer being updated, it's safe to use. Like, it's not going to change. It depends on the kind of developer you are. We're happy on the bleeding edge and we're like, you know, yeah. those, you know those uh, CTPs where they like sweep some bits up off the floor and throw them on the internet and say, why don't you try that? If it doesn't work, don't sue me. <laughs> Who you know? do that? We're like, oh, I love those. <laughs> Shiny. Yeah. In, you know, like you're having an argument with someone and say, well, that was released at midnight and it's already 11 a.m. and I can't believe you haven't written anything with it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked. You lazy bugger. But then there's this other like... 98% of the universe who doesn't actually like their frameworks changing underneath them before their project finished. And when the technology is done, they stop messing with it. Yeah. You no more surprises. Right. So like if you're a WinForms developer, you live in a very stable universe, right? Yeah. It hasn't changed yeah. for years. It doesn't get new shiny features and stuff. But you know what? I would argue that it's such a robust platform with a .NET framework under it that there's not a lot you can't do. Well, I really like the data mining in WPF. Yep. WPF has now moved into the safe zone. Do you think so? Really? Well, I mean, I'm very happy with what's happened to XAML now. Because in my mind, you know, all those XAML guys, whether they were Silverlight or WPF, they've all been pulled into the Windows team. Yes. And XAML's never going away. I mean, it's safe in the sense that Microsoft can't give up on it because they've made it part of the core operating system. Unless they do. Unless they do. <laughs> but, that, but now they're actually going to have to hurt themselves to do it. And they never hurt themselves. They, <laughs> they never do that. They ship the Visual Basic runtime with Windows 8. There's oh, yeah. a point where, you know, just not wanting to hurt yourself becomes cowardice. But the fact that it's still there, a technology yes. that hasn't been worked on literally in, what, 12, 13 years, got deployed with the latest OS, how long, if they stopped today and never did another thing with XAML ever again, how long would it be in the OS? 20 years? At least 10, and I wouldn't be surprised by 20. Yeah. So, again, safe. Safe. 
and not being fiddled around with, you know, like it's really frustrating. In another lifetime, I taught Java and, and you guys may remember because we're roughly the same age. They kept changing the names of the events. Yeah. It was like click became clicked and, and that kind of thing. They put things into past tense or something so they could have entirely different eventing model. It was a little irritating. It was mean. It's what it was. <laughs> a little irritating. Yes. <laughs> it was not nice. And then it's like, oh, well, that's because one company owns this language and they can do what they like with it. Yeah. I and really today care that for company that. is Oracle. Which is worse than ever. Yeah. But, you know, having a, a assurance that the code you write will still work next year and no one will mock you for it. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Another thing about WinForms, and I think I said that on, on Derek's show as well, is it was Rocky Latka who said he got pulled into a WinForms project with, the, with Magenic. And he hadn't been touching WinForms for a long time. And he said, I've forgotten how productive you were, just how good those designers were and how quickly you could get stuff done. Yeah, the WPF designer kind of makes me mental. That is true. And they've been working on it for seven years. Like they, that's almost the whole lifespan of Visual Basic and it's still a pain in the ass. Yeah. And that was the first thing they put into VB, the thing that sold you on VB1, because VB1 was not good. No, but it was forms. The forms. The forms were profound. If you had to do that in MFC, do you, re- you, of course, you remember. I do remember. You remember building a Windows form in MFC? Oh, and try putting a grid in one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I had a Periscope board. You know, because there's a soft ice debugger kind of thing. Yeah, the one that would snap a copy of the memory after Windows had crashed. Yeah. And you could reboot the machine to see, see what, what the hell happened. happened. <laughs> yeah, because that's how bad it was. It was debug by reboot. Yes. And and one of the projects that I'm doing right now in C++ has an MFC UI on it with a grid in it. And they don't want it to be a grid, but they can't change it. <laughs> they worked so hard to make it a grid and they can't make it anything else. They'd really like it to be a histogram, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> and we built a new front end for that in WPFC Sharp, and they can they can switch back and forth between grids and graphs and progress bars and whatever makes them happy, just it's all binding to the same data. Yeah, we've just forgotten how much progress we've actually made. Because you remember, I mean, going again back, pulling out the VB thing, data binding in Visual Basic never really worked. I mean, it and you ended up having to write code around it every single time. Yeah, your model structure, we didn't call it that, but the, the data structures that you used in the back end were basically shadows or reflections of what you needed yeah. for the front end. You know, so many of the things that I like about .NET 4.5 work in Windows Forms just fine, like async await. That's right. That's yeah. a language thing. That's a language thing. It's a Yeah, it's a framework thing, too. And it doesn't matter what you build your UI out of. Your back end, you code the way you want to code. But I like the way that you say it's in the safe zone. Because that, you know, we were just talking to Kathleen Dollard uh, on .NET Rocks here, and we're talking about workflow from .NET 4 to .NET 4.5. Yeah, even Workflow 3, just like how many times they break it. Yeah. So if you went out and you learned it when it was new and shiny, and yeah. I remember going to a tech ed talk for the first version of it and going, what? What? What are you trying to fix? Why are you? What on earth? But eventually, <laughs> you know, eventually it gets to be a thing you really want. But along the way, there's an awful lot of, oh, yeah, I'll just throw all this away. Sure, I wasn't planning on, you know, yeah. shipping any time, you so know, that's fine. That three months of coding, not that big a deal. Okay. Whatever, I could do that again. It was, but Kyle will love it. It builds character. Yes. Yeah. But see, I feel my character is sufficiently built. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough character thing. <laughs> I, although the other line you used was, not dead, done. Yeah, that's Don Box. People, you know, when .NET came out, people would say to Don Box, is calm dead. And he kept saying, and boy, does it look smart now. Right. It's not dead. It's done. 
And I think, you know, that applies to Windows Forms and WPF and Silverlight. Yeah. They're not dead because they, you know, as you say, the support is still in the OS. The yep. support is still in Visual Studio, but they're done. You can just use them. Well, and, and they're, they may not be building new features and advancing it per se, but they are always making sure it's backwardly supported. And the last round of, of additions that they made to Silverlight where they made sure async await and so forth works at the client level, dude, it's a pretty awesome place to develop and you can still build a nicer client than you could hope to do in HTML ever. Or even in Windows Forms, I think. Now, with P-Invoke support and some of those extra tools, there's like a Silverlight toolkit or something out there that gives you all these Windowsy things. You know, we've given up on uh, on Silverlight being, you know, Windows and Mac, you know, whatever. Oh, but it's going to run on the Mac. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> but, so, you know, but just as a... Oh, just for the deployment ease of yes. Windows apps, it's great. And isn't that the real energy that's always been? The reason we don't want smart clients is because deployment hurt. Deployment totally hurts. I mean, the the first lesson that uh, that my kid learned when I taught him to program mm-hmm. in grade seven, and he wanted to email his friends the exes he'd made, and their email clients stripped them out. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, unsafe attachment. And I'm like, oh, man, you have learned the most important lesson that there is. Deployment is what really hurts. hurts. Good luck getting that EXE to your buddies. uh, Can't you argue that today deployment just doesn't hurt like that anymore? Well, click once totally was not. uh, Nobody bought it. No, and it was and because it was hard. I mean, Brian Noyes banged the click once band and, and showed us how to do it. And it took years to get it right. But it's pretty good now. I got a couple of folks who use it, and it uh, it is good when it works. Yeah, and and I like it when it works. The problem is that is that caveat. It is not trivial to get it working. It yeah. is a skill to be able to seamlessly deploy. Yes, and yeah. but that's totally the pain. Whether it's like download this thing, download the zip, and uninstall it. Like I don't, you know, there's almost no happy deployment. The one exception, I love V6 for Visual Studio plugins. If we could get that ease of life for everything we install. That would be a nice. And what's life. V6? It's a it's just a zip file with a different extension, but Visual Studio knows how to pick it up and take out the pieces and read the manifest and do all the right things inside it. Okay. So uh, you know that would be a fun thing to have in your Windows life. Just sort of works when you do that. Yeah, yeah. You just double click it and stuff happens. Well, which is the way it should be. You know, we got web deployment at that point, the X copy web deployment, where you just didn't know anymore. So like, yeah, put this in the folder. Finished. You know, why it took so long to, to be able to do that was, was frustrating. So on the Windows side, you know, one of the reasons why you can't just, I mean, you can sometimes just copy all the files, but then it's like, well, I just need you to copy all these files and set a couple registry keys yep. and make a folder and then go over here and edit this file so that it knows the name of the folder you just made and blah, blah, blah. And people don't like simple 21 step procedures. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so easy. That'll be fine. About. So then they want to automate it, and that's when things become unpleasant. Right. And that's, you know, the reality. And I, you know, then I put my IT man hat on, and it's like, hey, you know, configuration manager where I can simply add a new application to the manifest and then hit a button, and every machine will, the app will just appear, <laughs> you know, which is true in, you know, 80% of the cases. And, and that points me to the 20% that have a problem and that's otherwise significant. You have to track them down. Right. Well, it's getting better and better and better. But I, just, I don't know. I just don't see deployment as as large a barrier as it used to be. What has your ex- been your experience with uh, customers wanting clients? Are are we all agog with uh, 
with mobile devices now that we don't want uh, smart clients or Windows clients anymore? Well, if you want a phone app, in many cases, that's a client app. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean, a Windows app. I, yeah, I, a Windows do, app. I do have folks who want Windows apps. And, and what and, kinds of things are they asking for? Well, uh, I have one that basically wants to hook into the file system. Okay. So no, no web page is going to do that. Yep. Uh, and I have another one where it wants to launch and monitor a bunch of other processes hmm. so that it can uh, time them and see how long they take to do things. And again, you know, a web page can't do that. And so these are mostly server-side things? Um, they might be on a server. The uh, The file one is actually an automatic backup-y thing. So oh, okay. it's paying attention to your files so it could run on your own right. on your own machine. Yeah, as soon as you want a significant relationship with the machine that you're on, I mean, you're in a browser sandbox. We forget, but it's still a sandbox. It's and, a pretty robust sandbox. And the more toys we pack onto a tablet so that it's like a phone, yeah. so there's a GPS and there's a light sensor and there's a... Uh, um, a gyroscope, gyroscope, and, and accelerometer, and blah blah blah, inclinometer, so they know if you're sitting down or standing up, and and all of that. Well, how is you know the the layering to try to get a web page to know all that starts to get a little on the inside. Don't worry, side. the W three C will build specifications for that any day now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're worried about. HTML six, you heard it here first. <laughs> Someday I'm going to sound like a genius. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. But in the meantime, you know, anything native, is, it can get to all that hardware. Yeah. And uh, the more people get that expectation that, well, I can do this on my phone. So, you know, my laptop's got way more power than my phone. So why the hell can't, can't I do, do it? it? Yeah. And you're like, uh, because they're entirely different in every way. Like, would that be enough? But people, like, that's the weird thing. As life gets more and more different, mm-hmm. everyone wants the same. Yeah. So, well, and I appreciate that, you know, the real vision that Microsoft brought where one kernel is on everything actually opens the possibility that that's what's going to happen, that you really should be able to expect every capability in your phone, in your tablet, in your desktop. I in just, your server. And in your server. Because you need to know if the server's tilted over. Until <laughs> <laughs> the server's tilted over, you had a whole other set of problems here. Somebody bent your rack. Exactly. But I I do appreciate that idea that, you know, the big thing with with Common Kernel is everybody gets the upgrade at the same time. Yes. Uh, Programming methodologies stay the same. Like, it's just, you know, it's reliable. And you can do some code reuse as well. Yeah. You know, we've got uh, a hybrid app that's Windows. Well, it's not hybrid. The app itself is either a Windows Store app or a Windows Phone 8 app. Mm -hmm. But we're building it out of a common code base. Nice. And and we've done a show over on the Tablet Show, talked about specifically about that and about the... uh, the uh, portable class libraries and just like the methodology for really building code reuse across these different platforms because they have the same kernel. Well, they have almost the same. So there's these little kind of rubs, this little kind of burr under your saddle where you're like, oh, if we're in the phone, call this function with, you know, 11 syllable name. Right. And if we're not, call this, you know, 12 syllable name where most of the syllables are kind of called, you know, get registry something from yeah. mumble file, some blah, 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 blah. And like two of the words are flipped because the APIs are slightly different. <laughs> and so you have to have this stupid if def there. Yeah, you need so to know. I'd like them to really get more seamless, but at least they both have that yeah. API call, even if it is slightly different between the two. Yeah, you, and if, I mean, there's worse things than having to write an if def, you know, at least it's not a totally different set of assemblies. Yes. So what have been some of the challenges that you've, uh, I mean, you're doing stuff that spans clients and servers and cloud all over the place. What have been some of the challenges that uh, that you see creeping up? And maybe that can be solved with old school solutions. Well, you know, I love C++ and I love to use C++ where it's right. Mm-hmm. C++ does not have a Windows user interface story 
other than uh, for Windows Store apps. Yeah. The the C++ XAML story is delightful. Yeah. But if you want to write something for the desktop or for Windows 7 or whatever, what are you going to build your UI out of? The XAML story for WPF doesn't exist? There, WPF and C++, do you... You don't say those two things together? You, you have to write the code yourself. Oh. You want to write a button? You write oh. a line of code that says X equals new button and you pass in all the... You know, oh. Did you want a designer? <laughs> That's oh, so okay. cute. Yeah. So um, I'm building on more than one occasion now, the front, the view is in C sharp. Mm-hmm. WPF. Life is good. We all know yep. how to do that. Designer works. I suppose you could bring out Blend if your eyes can take it. <laughs> then... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that Kate. <laughs> Come on, you know, those blend guys are all, they got to be like 19, you know? <laughs> and they've got their retina displays turned all the way up. And they're like, yeah, gray on black. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I'm happy enough in, in Visual Studio with a light theme. And then my the view model is C++ CLI, and the model is 100% native C++. Wow. And I can... Oh, you've got 15-year-old legacy code that does something really amazing and difficult and complicated, and the guy who wrote it, uh, you know, retired already. Yep. That's okay. We don't have to understand it. We just have to wrap it up. Include the header, link to the live. Thanks for playing. Yeah. And uh, so we were able to reuse the important parts of the legacy uh, code and stick a beautiful, shiny, glowy, transparent, whatever you want you know, WPF on the front of it. With rounded corners and confetti falling and <laughs> spins randomly. Spinning flames, That's absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And all the performance of C++ is there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So because that's the heavy lifting in the back end and that's yeah. now native code. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you can always count on it. Like you are letting the languages do what they're supposed to do. Presuming that that C++ was well enough organized that it is a lib you want in your system. So some of the code needed a little... That's the word I want. Grooming? (laughs) (laughs) There was some ugly, some ugly, ugly things involving, you know, car star arrays and pointer manipulation and uh, what we call three star programming. Have you heard of that? No. So, you know, in in C++, if you want to use indirection, you want the contents of a pointer, you say star P or whatever it is to get to the contents of that pointer. Right. Well, what if you had a pointer to a pointer? And when you want to dereference it, it would be star star P. Okay. And there are guys who have pointers to pointers to pointers. They're three star programmers. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so isn't an object that Don Box said it was a pointer to a pointer to an array of pointers? Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and those guys, I think it's job security because you take one look at that <laughs> code and you go, I don't know what this does. <laughs> now that's code like Icelandic food. It was written on a dare. <laughs> Here, try this. I dare you to go double indirect on exactly. that and I still have it work. So, you know, I, I'll take code like that and I'll maybe introduce it to the standard library, um, introduce it to some C11 mm-hmm. language constructs and make some beauty. I also got to think that they, they may take some dependencies you don't want to drag along with you in the code. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, hey, let's include Windows in here. Include <laughs> Windows.h. <laughs> and so, you know, I've tried things like, oh, let's comment this out. What doesn't work? Oh, we're missing one type def because the guy didn't want to type car star. He wanted to type LPCST. Blah, 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 blah. So he linked in the whole Windows library. Because <laughs> <laughs> it worked when you did that. Yeah. And so it wasn't that big a deal. And now it's like, oh, I don't want to bring that with us. Now he's got an oversized problem assembly. It could happen. Yeah. So, you know, the story is, Thinking counts. You get points for thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes 
when people first learn C++, and I remember these days, you just, whatever it takes to make the compiler stop yelling at you. <laughs> so if you're doing pointer work. You know, if you, if you, uh, turn off the error message reporting, <laughs> you get yeah. far fewer far errors. Far fewer warnings. Yeah, I, that slash D. I, I was just substituting compiler for wife, right? Yeah, thinking, it's kind of wife-like. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I love you. Let's go shopping. <laughs> How do right. I tell this to my compiler? Just well, stop crying. They put stars. They're like, I put a bunch of stars in, and then, <laughs> then I put a bunch of ampersands in, and it's pretty much shut up now, so I think we're good. <laughs> it's like, seriously? You don't know what you've typed? No. I just tried putting a star in, <laughs> and it worked. It looked like a cartoon swear, but somehow it's working. Exactly. So I sort of want to step back from that and say, is this really a pointer? What the hell is it a pointer to? Why are you dereferencing it? Why are you taking the address of this? Um, you know, because you'll, you'll watch people, especially folks who come from C Sharp, they're like, I'm going to create this with new. Right. And then I'll have, then it'll be a pointer and I'll have to dereference it everywhere. And then 11 lines later, having done zero branching or potentially exception throwing or anything, then I'll call delete on it. And then they go, wow, C++ is hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'll come in, take the new out, uh, take the delete out, make it a stack object, uh, change the arrows to dots, and then there you go. You know, everything's easy when you have all the answers, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it must keep you thoroughly employed constantly. You know, it's an interesting thing right now. I'm doing more C++ than I ever have. Why is that? I don't really know. I think a certain amount might be being the last one standing. It's It's in in the the safe zone. zone. So C++ just changed. Right, yeah. So that's not the safe zone, right? We just had C++ 11. And uh, last month, I think, this is, yeah, last month, when I was in England at the ACCU conference, they had a C++ committee meeting as well. Mm -hmm. And they started nailing down what's going to be in C++ 14. And there were a couple of like easy Wait, wins. 11 to 14? Yeah. Yeah. They're going a lot faster now. They like this Any concept. Any questions? <laughs> so there's a 12 and a 13? No, no. Are... Those are years. Oh, I see. So C++ 11, 11 was, was approved 2011. in 2011. And C++ 14, 14 will be ready in 2014. But there's a couple things that are obvious. Okay. For example, we have make shared, but we don't have make unique. We have shared pointer and unique pointer. Mm-hmm. Someone said, we forgot to do make unique. Someone else said, good idea. So then they like write up a paper. How's it going to work? Blah, blah, blah. Everyone agrees. So one of the committers to, um, I think it was GCC, could have been Clang, checked in implementations of features that will be in C++14 as they were being approved to his compiler. <laughs> so he's in the room and everyone's like, yep, that's totally what we're doing. And he's like, commit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just like that. So that's a language that's kind of changing. Visual Studio changes at a little slower pace than that. Yeah. Microsoft's trying to turn it up with the whole quarterly CTP thing. They are, but sometimes the CTP comes out and then there's no update that goes corresponds to it. Yes. So that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I am sort of just sitting back to see, well, how long are you going to be able to keep this up and before people scream? This is where we go back in time. Do you remember Visual Studio 4? Mm-hmm. Then 4.1, then yep. 4.2. Yes. It was like, what are you doing? It's only been three months. Why are you giving me another version of this product? Yes. And Stop in, it. And in those days, of course, it came to the house in a cardboard box. Yeah. And if you're in the middle of something, you put the cardboard box on the shelf. Yeah. No, you're not yeah, installing an a new up. tool. That was an evening to just install. Well, and what if it broke your code? Yeah. Like you're halfway through, right? So you put that box on the shelf. And then they send you another one like three months later. You're What's like, wrong oh, with wait, you people? Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> so then they backed off. Now they're doing it again. Right. Because everything comes around again. But at least there's no cardboard boxes now. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. You guessed it. It's time to remove an oversized problem assembly from my GAC. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you can get a cream for that, actually. You can laugh, Kate. It's okay. <laughs> She's trying enough. not to laugh. <sighs> no, no. It's time to announce the winner of a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. A lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club is going to win one. But before I tell you who that winner is, I need to tell you that Telerik's Agile Project Management Solution, Team Pulse, comes with a rich set of features for data intelligence, capturing of stakeholder feedback, as well as complete tracking of work items. Team Pulse can easily be added on top of any TFS environment, including TFS versions 2008, 2010, and 2012. The tool even comes with a TFS wizard that will allow non-technical users to set the whole thing up in seconds. If you want to improve the way you work, just try Telerik Team Pulse now at bit.ly slash teampulse for TFS. Or just go to Telerik.com and click on Team Pulse. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. All right, buddy, what do we got? Our winner is Norman King. Ah, congratulations, Norman. Golf clap for you, Golf sir. Golf clap for Norman. And he wins the uh, Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. This is everything Telerik does in one box. And uh, we give away one every show. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members, and uh, every show we give away a DevCraft Complete Collection. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of toys, worth of technology, to one lucky member of the fan club. Last year, Rob Corbett won a fantastic PC. Yeah, we custom-built it for him, and it had a Connect. Windows as well as a touchscreen so he could do Windows 8 touch development. He's not far from here, actually. He's down in Ottawa. I wish he'd come up to see us. Or at least send us pictures. Yeah, we're still waiting for those pictures, Rob. Get it together, man. All right. Well, we like to ask our guests, if you had five grand to spend, or five large, as the Canadians say, do what, we? <laughs> what, would you, uh, what would you buy? Do I have to buy hardware? No. Technology. But if you say Azure Minutes, you'll be a cop-out. No. Huh? I was thinking more Caribbean vacation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, I I would like some some big touch screens. I keep trying to touch everything. They're not that much money anymore. No, we have, we have one in the living room that's like a decent size, and you can touch it. And then we have a big TV next to it, and we keep trying to touch the TV. So, <laughs> you know, there's a Windex is going to spike. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything's all smeary. So a couple of really nice big touch screens for things like dashboards for standing around like whiteboards. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause those 85 inch touches still a hundred grand. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I'm I not saw that for Sonic's making a 24 inch. It's like $400. Like it, they're the reasonable sizes aren't that much money, but I got to think a, a 40 or a 40. 50, that's starting to, yeah. Where yeah. now it's, it's back to like whiteboard size. Yeah. And, it, and you can, and you can use it as a Kanban board or, you know, as that big interactive environment. Yeah, you still spend some serious coin on that. But it's it's fun to watch people interact with Windows 8 on a big touch screen. So mm-hmm. we have a 22 inch and watching like 20 somethings, they just immediately. They don't they, think any of it. It's, and it makes every game a cooperative game. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got a question for you. What was the last thing that stumped you for more than five minutes? I told you I was doing name pipes in one of these projects. Yeah. There was some serious swearing. 
Uh, there, I almost had to make up some new swear words. Now, was it because you couldn't find the right documentation or the, the code sample code didn't work or what was it? Yeah, that's the usual misery, right? And, yeah. and on, on top of all of that, when you're setting up name pipes, you have to put backslashes into the name of the pipe. Right. And you have to escape those. So you're typing like eight in a row. Oh. And, yeah. And if you do it wrong, there's no error message. You got to get them in the right order. Yeah. So there was, there's just a whole lot of really persnicketiness combined with truly, truly horrible Runtime errors, which are opaque. I mean, if, I mean, it's, what do I say about compilers? The compiler is your friend. I want my compile errors, not my runtime errors. And the, the main pipe goes, cool, interesting name. Good, good luck with that. And then doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. We were just, Richard and I have experienced a couple of errors recently that weren't at all appropriate. And, you know, I think you could make a business out of looking through people's code, finding all the possible things that could go wrong and coming up with exception messages that actually mean something useful. Case in you point. You don't like an error occurred with occurred yeah. spelled wrong? Well, yeah, no, but sometimes they're very specific and wrong. So this, this came up today in my session. I was doing a session on, uh, gesture pack, you know, the connect thing here at DevTeach, and I got it all together, and uh, it gave me a, a bug. It gave me an error, and it was an object not found error. So I look at the code, and I step through it, and the sensor object that I create from the connect sensors array was there. The count was greater than zero, and it was there, and I had an object. But, but it had a skeletal tracking object that was nothing. And, you know, this is completely <laughs> stumping me because if one's there, the other's got to be there. And this yeah. code works every time. It's true, tried and true code. There's no debugging the code, right? And you got people yelling out, you know, try this, try that, try this. You know what it was? It's a good idea to make sure the power strip is on. <laughs> That's a hardware failure. <laughs> but right the there. object, but I got an object not found or this, uh, some other problem that, you know, while yes, technically that was the issue. The real problem was, hey, idiot. This connect is not on, dude. <laughs> this connect you, isn't powered up. Do you remember the days of DLL hell? Yes. And it would oh, say, yeah. foo.dll or one of its dependencies was not found. And you'd be like, well, foo.dll is totally there. So thanks for the help, error <laughs> message. Yeah. So object not found is like, your object contains an object, which contains an object. And somewhere in there, we got some null. Yeah, dude, you're hose. <laughs> well, you know my line from the old TRS 80s where there's only three error messages, what, how, and sorry. Yeah. yeah, object now found is actually sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not that sorry. You're sorry, but sorry. Yeah, totally. The um, difference is that Windows makes you agree with it. There's only ever an okay button. There's never a not okay button. It's like, I hate this button. Yes. Can we just change that button to say this really pisses me off? That's a better button. People would push that willingly. <laughs> All right. I like this line of questioning. So another thing that has stumped you for more than five minutes. I don't know. I've been having a pretty good time lately. I, I mean, trying to create data structures in native C++ that will come over and bind to uh, a control in WPF should make you crazy and, mm -hmm. and didn't. Wow. Yeah, it was delightful. I was quite surprised. And um I'm I'm finding that the more work I do with the standard library, the less I swear. So go figure. So we've painted a couple of scenarios when you would still go to Smart Client today. But what about the traditional CRUD app? I mean, would you custom are your customers still asking for smart smart clients or would you still recommend them? 
usually the the CRUD app is the bit that they want to do in every possible client. They want a they want every phone. They want web. They want a mobile oriented web. They want a responsive mobile web thing. They want a Windows. They want a tablet. Da 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 da. Right. It's the and so web be, ends up being the way just because you can get it gets to everything. That right happens off the really bat. quickly, and then people say, "Wait, I can't use my F keys, or I can't. Right. Or I can't. Where's something. my camera in this? Or how come you're not responding to the inclinometer? Oh my lord! You know, I did a web app where they wanted enter to move from field to field. Instead of tap. Of course they did. <laughs> and it was like a deal breaker. Yeah. And you're figuring out how you can like catch the submits. Browser 101. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, you know, they weren't interested in adapting the way that they, they also wanted when they typed enough numbers to automatically move to the next right. field. And I mean, these are people who should just be given a Windows app. These good people should be given a green screen. <laughs> yes. Like they have in Future Shop, the character-based thing. Yeah. Absolutely. But see, that's the deal. They can be super fast in that. Yeah. And now they've been told they have to have this newfangled stuff, and they're like, fine, as long as it's exactly like my old crap. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as long as I can go back to my 80 by 25 green screen monitor <laughs> behavior. Press it'd be nice if it was green. Can you do that too? Don't tempt me. <laughs> full screen character mode. <laughs> now I want full screen character mode WPF. So rounded corners, full screen character mode. Hey, Semi-transparent so green. <laughs> There's a WPF app you could write, a console window that goes full screen in WPF. <laughs> You're just encouraging these people, Carl. That's right. At some point, it goes all matrixy and all the characters fall off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hercules all over again. I love it. That's fabulous. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do find people want, for the data intensive, data entry mm-hmm. intensive, they want a Windows app. Or if they're occasionally connected, that's still... An existing. It's still very hard to do disconnected with a browser. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. So if you've got uh, one of my customers and their flagship product is still in VB6, mm-hmm. but they, it, it schedules people to- 12 years. I know. It schedules people to go to the homes of old and sick people and mm-hmm. help them. And they need to record, hi, I've just arrived at the patient's house. Hi, I'm leaving the patient's house. Right. And if the patient doesn't have internet, or if you're out of cell coverage, which is quite common in my corner of the universe, yep. what are you going to do? You need a device that will hang on to that information and sync it up later. Yeah, when we get back into the world. That's correct. Yeah, I still, we talked about this a while ago. I think it was offline. It was like, who is the quote for, it was easier to put Wi-Fi everywhere than to build a good disconnected client? <laughs> I'm thinking Joel Spolsky. Yeah, but it, I think it's, it's Spolsky. It's a great quote. Yeah. but it's And it's true. Like Wi-Fi in airplanes. Yep. And if you're in, you know, city North America, you you live in Wi-Fi. Yeah, you're there's wireless every or at least 4G or LTE there's or something. Your phone something. can do it and there's probably a Starbucks not too far away and and there's probably a hotel lobby you can wander into and look like you belong, but you come out to my corner of the world, yes. you have a different existence. Here out here out in the deep dark wilderness. You come yeah. to New London, Connecticut, you have a different experience. <laughs> I mean, you know, and not just talking about Wi-Fi, but the stuff that you can buy for hardwire. Yes. You, you don't know how hard it is to get more than a megabit. Oh, up. I do. I'm on the phone. I will pay you. Yeah. <laughs> I and have they say, money. oh, we don't have that product. Well, yes, you do. It's really just a number that you can tweak. All right. Yeah. Trust me on this. I know what I'm talking about. I'm with you. 100%. Who we have, do I have to kill? We have three different sources of internet for the office so that between them we get the bandwidth we need. And, and at least one of them is working at any given time. Usually it's rare for all three to go down at once, unless, of course, the power goes out. Yep. Well, I got the power back up. My problem was my three internet connections all came down the same telephone pole. So when the truck backed into the pole, all three Single went down. Single point of failure. That's it, you know. 
You know, welcome to three old developers try to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Get off my lawn. You guys have no idea how hard it was once. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We walked uphill both ways in the snow to get our internet connection. We did. We dealt with bites. Bites! <laughs> we cared Not about Not these terabyte things you guys are dealing with. What about Silverlight? Do you have any Silverlight projects still? I don't. No? I don't. But that's just a fluke. Yeah. That's just a fluke. There's nothing wrong with it. No. I think it's in that safe zone, too. And the WPF situation to me seems interesting because I almost felt like WPF got so far advanced the real WPF, that they've had to sort of back off the implementation because Silverlight never implemented huge tracks of WPF. But the the thing that's living inside of Windows 8 now is is sort of halfway in between the two. Yes. I'll tell you what, um, WPF doesn't have the performance, the graphics performance that I wished it did. And, you know, it's better in Windows 8 and a Windows Store app because the XAML stack is native. Yes. But But then you're talking a Windows Store app. So... You know, trying to do an app that will display a waveform real time and zoom in and out and that right. kind of Where thing. Where you want real responsiveness. See, I'm, responsive. I'm happy that having. It's not possible in WPF. So, in my universe, you know, the back end chungles and crunches and chungles and does a bunch of stuff and then says seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so then, you know, all the WPF's got to do is like, it's a grid or it's a histogram or something. But yeah, if you would like uh, waveforms going up and down and, uh, live video being uh, manipulated in some way. Yeah. You Still can use DirectX. Right. But then <laughs> are you building a Windows app with DirectX pieces in it? Or is there such a thing as a hybrid WPF DirectX thing? There is. There is you can huh? you can also you can do a hybrid store with bits of DirectX in it. You can do a phone app with bits of DirectX in it, although some of that's not officially allowed, but you can do it. And you can build a WPF app with bits hmm. of DirectX in it. Yeah. So like a analogous to a custom control or something like essentially that? like that so it's a canvas that you can hand off to DirectX. i did a i did a quick start for windows 8 where we took a xaml app that uh brought up a file picker and let you pick a picture and then when you touch the screen again the windows 8 app caught the touch gesture and the DirectX made a water ripple appear where you touched nice and it was super easy to do you basically just handed the surface and the coordinates off to DirectX. And it painted the manipulation over it. So, but if you have a canvas object in WPF, you can have a DirectX thing right directly to that canvas and yeah. do it quickly. Yeah. Obviously. And so it's nice and responsive. So DirectX is, a, you know, if you want to do intense graphic stuff, that is your zone. Yeah. And guess what language you need to learn? C++ <laughs> Kate. Or I could just call Kate Gregory. That's all. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Reasonable rates. <laughs> call KateGregory.com. Something like that. You know... I remember when it was Avalon and they were, this was the replacement for DirectX. This yeah. was a replacement. This was going to be the new way. No more bit blitting. You know, GDI 32 goes away. We're not going to need DirectX anymore. This is going to solve everything. Whenever anybody from Microsoft says to you, we're not going to need insert something here yes. anymore. You can just laugh. You, or, you lie. Well, you can record them. You guys have a great advantage. You can yeah. say, speak into the mic, sir. <laughs> we have on many occasions. <laughs> yeah, you asked poor old Chris Sells or Don Box about Oslo. Oh, that was funny. We played back all those old shows. Of his. Remember when what you said, the hell were you thinking? <laughs> and then you said this, then you said this. Apparently, you were wrong. They were going to redo Windows in managed code. Yeah. Sure. Because that? 
Because apparently you don't need anything to boot an operating system or any kind of operating system to run a framework. You can run the framework, can run the the operating system. How could that not work? (laughs) How did we get here? Oh, man, we sound old. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I don't want to make smart clients sound old either. I mean, we've been talking on the show for so long about all these new web technologies, and they're very impressive without a doubt. But I still feel like there's... A, I think there's a big chunk of the audience out there, a big chunk of the software being developed today, that just web's not an option. No, no. I want my smart client. Well, not to be markety, but do you remember playing old developer, Rich versus Reach? Yeah. You know, like everybody can load your web app. Fantastic Reach. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Oh, you wanted to be able to print and control the way it printed? Yeah. Oh, you wanted to save a file locally on the guy's machine or work when there's no internet or get to the sensors or talk to the connect or... Ah, uh, ha, ha, then you want rich. Right. You know? But at the same time, I mean, in the meantime, browsers have built up a richness to their clients. They that's have. very impressive. There's a lot better in terms of the, you know, being able to use the keys as well as the mouse or mm-hmm. being able to control. But we still have the rich. It's just now on a phone, in a tablet. You know, it, it shifted from Windows to. Right. So these I devices. want the GPS in the phone. That's rich. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't, if you just want to make a map. And say this is where we are. You figure out where you are, then you can be a web page. So we still have smart clients. It's just that they're they moved off a different hardware platform. People aren't sitting behind their desks so much anymore. So in many ways, I think the fact that people want phone apps makes people want Windows apps. Yeah, they're like, I want like a phone app only on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we have Windows Eight. Yeah, I think people still know they want to be able to sometimes have that richness. Mm-hmm. And that if, in some ways, getting richness on your phone or getting richness on your tablet brings the bar back up of what people are willing to settle for. And they're like, why am I doing it this other way? Well, I also think the App Store, you know, m- makes the app more tangible than just being a web page. Plus, you get that benefit of, hey, it's gone through the whitelist effect and it's safe and the purchase model was consistent and there's sort of a Microsoft endorsement there. Absolutely. I mean, I know people who won't let their kids have Android phones because the, it's just a wild west. It is. You don't know what you're installing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've had family members who say, hey, I got this Android app and it wants access to my location and my identity and my this and my that. Is it safe? And I'm like, probably not. No. <laughs> That's not the answer they wanted, but you no. know. Yeah, they're just trying to assuade themselves of guilt. But Kate, you said... You said it would probably be okay because, (laughs) sure, the dancing kittens need to know where you are. (laughs) Don't pay attention when I'm doing the background. Look at these kittens. (laughs) Aren't they cute? Yeah, so maybe we're just in a cycle here that there's going to be more of a resurgence of the smart client development model. I just wonder if there's going to be a new smart client development model because it seems like all of those development approaches that exist inside of windows today are done well the store apps the former metro apps yes and they're trying to solve a bunch of problems at once Mm -hmm. you know they're trying to solve your deploy problem by saying you don't need to worry about how difficult it is to deploy and find out about whether you have dependencies or not because you ain't allowed no dependencies there isn't any (laughs) We, we fix that problem you get none you know if it's in your package great if it's not it's not. No big deal. And for some apps, they're like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You made my deploy super easy. Yeah. And I have to say, like, we've been standing up a lot of Windows 8 machines. And the fun of going to the store after I've signed in with my, you know, my Microsoft account or whatever we call it this week. Right. And saying, can I have my crap? And just said, yep, just, here it comes. And all your stuff's installed on the new machine. Yeah. And most of the time, your settings or if it's a game, your high score or whatever, mm-hmm. it's all there. 
Your achievements. That's what you actually care about. Yeah. Your achievements. But you know, the weather app knows I like Celsius. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. It is. And it, it's that it's portable between the machines. I don't like the whole desktop portable between the machines. So the desktop graphic, like. Oh, yeah. I kind of lean on that for knowing what machine I'm on. The first time I had a roaming profile, and this is a really old story, I, I made backgrounds with machine names on them. Yeah. And then it started following you around. Following me around, (laughs) so I'd be on machine A, and it'd be like, "Hi, I'm machine B," because I'm using the desktop for machine B. I thought I was going crazy. Oh man, do you guys know how old we sound right now? (sighs) Wait, Ruby, Python, Git, (laughs) (laughs) NuGet. That's better. There you go. Our ratings just went up. There There you go. (laughs) Kate, what's next for you? I would really like to take some time off this summer, but my uh, customers won't play. So yeah. um, I'm going to keep writing a lot of C++ code. And um, and you're available as a consultant? It's true. I am. You, and and I've got a Pluralsight course in the works. Yeah. On I'm, C++, no doubt? On I actually have some further down the pipe that are not on C++, but right this minute. Do I'm you like, have any on like hardcore like drivers and that kind of stuff? That, so there's another Pluralsight author called Kenny Kerr. Mm-hmm. And he... Oh my lord, he's the driver guy. Really? Yeah. So there's plural site videos on how to write drivers. Uh, he may not have gotten around to that yet, but he's got some seriously inside com and inside WinRT stuff that I need to rewind and watch again. Kind yeah, because if it's, I ever want my brain to hurt even more, in a good way, in a good way, yes. But if it doesn't hurt, you're not learning anything. <laughs> yeah, so I'll let him do that. Uh, super, super close to the metal stuff. Cool, but. We've got lots of good material. That's awesome. Well, you're one of our heroes. You continue to impress. Having a great time. Thanks very much, Kate. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter van.